Welcome to the Split Line Podcast, guys. I'm your host, as always, Rodney Cooper, and with me today, as always... Brandon Whitehair, guys. I think we're going to have a special show for you guys today. Yeah, we're pretty excited about this one. Uh, we have a special guest on the line today, the, the CEO of Impact Media, a EMTB team owner, the host of the Moto Marketing Podcast, Luke Nessler. Welcome, Luke. What's up, What's up guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate your time today. Yeah, for sure. Happy to be here. Yeah, so we were just bringing you on. Um, you want to, you know, tell us, tell you know, some of the listeners and stuff. You know how, you know how you kind of got started into the whole moto scene and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, uh, man. I'm just a fan at heart. I, uh, I'm, I grew up on a, a farm in, in Dodgers County, West Virginia. Um, kind of in the middle of nowhere, didn't really have any, anybody that lived near me. So I, you know, my, my friend was my, my four wheeler or motorcycle. And then when I was, uh, oh man, when I was going into middle school, my mom and dad moved, uh, moved us to uh, a close by town, but the first time I'd actually lived in a community. So we moved up to Bridgeport. Uh, and it was, it was, you know, it was new for me. I, I, I didn't, wasn't used to having neighbors and, um, long story short, I ended up getting kind of into a group of guys that just enjoyed riding bicycles and going out and riding dirt bikes on the weekend, which I already had an interest in. And um, they kind of introduced me to the sport, and I started watching, you know, motocross and supercross and the X Games, and we subscribed to Racer X, and was just a huge fan as a as a kid. And I think uh, it all changed for me when I realized that Racer X uh, was literally. 35, 40 minutes up the road. I thought this company was a California publication and find out it's in my home, pretty much my hometown. And uh, I just had this obsession with, from the time I was in middle school from wanting to, to work in the sport. So I always followed it and, uh, and you know, never raced motorcycles. I always raced BMX bikes and mountain bikes, but um, my heroes, you know, weren't NBA and NFL players. They were you know, the Supercross stars, uh, you know, Stewart and Reed and Carmichael and, and all of those guys. So I just kind of followed it through and, uh, you know, ended up making that my career once I graduated from college. Um, you know, and long story short, kind of here we are today. I own an ad agency and we do advertising for uh, just dirt bike companies and bicycle companies. We do all the promotion for Lucas Oil for Motocross, Racer X, um, 7, 100%. Um, FMF is a client of ours, so it's uh, it's it's kind of it's crazy. I, I get a you know going to work doesn't feel like work for me. It's it's fun to interact with the people that I get to interact with because I've looked up to them my entire life. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about your story is how you kind of broke the mold as the, as far as you don't have to be the greatest racer of all time to be able to make a living doing what you love. Uh, you were able to basically get into this sport and get into, get into making a business out of being a fan of the sport. And that's so cool because I mean, we're the same way. We, we love this sport and, and we grew up the same way. And I, you know, I as well didn't know that racer X was in Morgantown. And, uh, when I found that out, I thought that was Oh, that was pretty awesome because I thought it was a California thing as well. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, it, I was surprised how many people have made careers in the sport that weren't talented uh, racers. I mean, you've got Jason Wygant, who's probably one of the most well-known guys in the sport, and he's not 
athletic really at all, and he would be the first one to tell you that. I mean, he was never a racer. He's kind of prides himself on being a flagger in New Jersey, and but here he is. He's like, you know, he's one of the the voices and the faces that we all synonymize with, uh, with you know, with motocross racing. And you know, and you got Steve Mathis, who yeah, he was a he was a pro, but he was you know wasn't the fastest guy and. You know, it's there's a lot of guys that have made a career out of it because their their fandom rather than their their skill on a motorcycle. Um, and you know, I think it it you know it's, it's cool to see. And there's definitely there's definitely room for more of that in the sport. It's just finding okay, if my way to the top isn't competing, what what am I good at that can get my leg in the door? And for me, it was uh, it was marketing. It was promoting a, a business on. You know, on the internet, using Facebook, Instagram, video advertising, Google, and helping them increase sales. And the first client we got a stab at that with was the Lucas Oil Promoter Cross Series because of my relationship with some of the people in that company. They gave us a shot, and one thing led to another. We did a really good job for them, and then that led to an introduction to another client, and then another client, and you know, and here we are today. And I'd say we probably. We have anywhere from 50 to 70 clients at one, you know, at any given time, and I'd say 90% of them are moto, and you know, 10% are probably cycling and fitness. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it definitely makes for a fun, fun job for sure. Yeah, I remember back in the Pyramid Valley days, uh, you come out and was used to do some video, you know, shots of the races, and then. Um, I still got those DVDs. I still like to break those things out once in a while and watch, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, it's funny. I think about that. Um, I think I only did that maybe twice, uh, and I think about that experiment a lot because I, my first business was a video production business, and I had the bright idea of you know, hey, let's go out, let's video these races. I will burn the DVD and give them to these these riders before they leave. And, and now I <laughs> I realized about an hour into that. that well, that's going to be impossible. <laughs> like three and a half, four hours for these things to export. It took hours of editing. So my master plan didn't necessarily work as well as I thought, but we, we made it work. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get people like you that mention I still have a couple of those DVDs from the few times that I did that. So, um, no, it was cool. It's just I was just, you know, just like an athlete would, man. I was just grinding, trying to find my, my place and my niche. And that was one of my ideas that, work to some extent but definitely wasn't uh didn't pan out quite the way i thought it would it was a lot of hard work (laughs) and it was just me so (laughs) me and my dad yeah i remember like uh i always pull them back and you know me and rodney we'd we'd battle back and forth in b class there so we on the quads and uh it was it was actually just pretty cool to have and the keepsake so yeah and you know before cell phones and or well iphones that you know phones that videotaped well like you're kind of a you know, ahead of the curve there because a lot of people, you know, you talk about races in the pits and like, oh, I remember this race or that race. Well, not a lot of footage was ever <laughs> was was ever out there for you know the B class quad guys. <laughs> so it was ca- kind of cool to see yeah, you do that. Unfortunately, back in you know the the prime of Pyramid Valley, it wasn't necessarily the cell phone era, so you don't have endless Instagram clips and the stuff that you you know you would have today. Um, so that's uh, that's. I feel like that track in probably in 10 years is going to be a, a living legend that there's going to be very little footage of, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, <clears throat> what's, uh, 
So you started into the, I know you ride a lot of mountain bikes and then I, I you know, I follow you on Instagram and stuff and I saw you got in the e-bikes, but uh, now you're a team owner and you guys go to the GNCCs and race those. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, that was a project I started um, at the end of 2019. And, um, I, mean, I, I mean, I grew up racing BMX. I, that was the sport that I was probably the most skilled in. Um, I never made it at the pro level, but I, I competed seriously in that sport all around the country. I competed for a national championship one year. Um, and it's that sport's a lot of fun, but the problem with that sport is you go to these races, I travel, you know, halfway across the country and then you know it's a sprint sport so i you know i'll race you know from gate drop to the finish line it's a 30 to 45 second sprint and then i have to wait 300 motos later to do my next lap so you know we i I added it up at one race that i traveled like 10 hours for we were at the track for 10 hours because it was a big race and i was on the track for less than three minutes total because (laughs) the amount of time that it takes to actually race versus the amount of time that you're sitting around. I was like, man, this sport is so much fun, but I'm, I'm, I'm literally driving halfway across the country to race for three minutes. Um, and I, so I started to kind of get a little bummed out with it. And, and that very same year, a good friend of mine, um, Colin Dearman, he's the general manager of a bike shop in Morgantown called Walmsley Cycles. Um, he's in his 50s, and he's a former GNCC national champion, and, but he's kind of slowing down, and he's looking for something that's kind of scratched that itch but not risk killing himself um, <laughs> at a little bit of an older age. And he obviously runs a bike shop, and that bike shop started to sell e-bikes. And he started to ride them, and GNCC uh, started to test out having a race series. And in 20. Uh, 19, he did the full first season of racing that they had, and he won a national championship in the Masters class. And he kept telling me, he's like, "And you got to come out on these bikes." And I'd never ridden an e-bike, and uh, I went out on a, just a test ride with him in Morgantown, and I was hooked. I think the next week I bought one, and I ended up racing uh, John Penton snowshoe and, and Mount Morris uh, that year. And I was like, "This is the most fun I've ever had racing any." two wheels, bicycle, motor or not, whatever. This is the most fun I've ever had. I want to put together just a little team, uh, me and maybe a couple other guys. And that little team quickly grew into 10 riders and, um, you know, they had financial support. And I mean, it was our, our team this year was maybe be, uh, maybe other than Walker Fowler's setup, our team was more factory than probably every single one of the quad guys. Um, Adam McGill would argue me on that. But <laughs> if you looked at our pit setup, if you looked at what we offered our riders, if you looked at the sponsorship package we had for everybody, it was um, it was top notch. And we were the first e-bike team in the country. And uh, by the end of the year, you know, Yamaha is now putting together an effort, and um, they were, you know, coming over trying to sign some of our riders for next year. But, I mean, it it started as just something that I wanted to do for fun, and it's grown, and um, we're we're making it even bigger and better for for next season. We've got uh, 10 10 guys and and a girl on the team, and uh, this year we won the Amateur National Championship with our amateur class racer. His name's Adam Mayhew. And uh, he won it by one point at the final round. We missed out on the youth national championship by one point. Um, we missed out by a couple points on the women's national championship and the master's title. So we, we almost won 
every single title except the pro class um, this wow. season. So we're pretty happy with our first year, um, <laughs> and we're looking forward to next season for sure. Hopefully 2021 looks a little better than 2020 did. Yeah, no doubt. You really built a team right at the right time for maybe not 2020, but for the e-mountain bike series in GNCC because of – you know, being the second year in the GNCC, that is such a growing part of GNCC. And it's really cool to see because they just kind of came into the scene with the electric mountain bikes not too, too long ago and just blew up. Um, I remember last year, my buddy and I went up to Mount Morris. I don't race a lot of GNCCs, but we went up there. We decided to try to walk uh, the track <laughs> and uh, uh, that was a bad mistake, first of all. But then we noticed that everybody had uh, those e-mountain bikes and it just looked like such a convenient way to get around the track. And then of course, you know, I'm sure racing them is, is quite a blast and I'd love to try that one day. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting how, how that's taken off in the sport of, of, you know, motorcycle and quad racing just from, you know, I mean, for those that aren't super familiar with GNCC, you can't pre-ride the course on your on your bike. Uh, you could certainly walk it, and people used to ride their mountain bikes around, but then these e-bikes came out, and um, I mean, if you've ever been to a GNCC, you kind of see where the economy really is. It's not hurting. Um, people are, you know, camping in motorhomes, and they've got quads and side-by-sides, and now there's thousands of e-bikes rolling around and and they're mostly specialized and a specialized e-bike starts at four grand and you can spend as much as 12 grand on them so they've got all these guys and girls that are riding around checking out their race course for uh you know saturday and sunday on these bikes and carrie coombs who's the president of uh of uh, uh mx sports who owns gncc She's probably the most business savvy woman I've ever met, and she looked at that as an opportunity and said, "Hey, I'm going to approach a brand like Specialize and bring somebody out and show them the potential that they have to do event activation, which is a fancy term for marketing at, a, at an event." And Specialize came out and saw the potential, and they've gotten involved. And now they, uh, I, I've been impressed with how much GNCC wants to actually develop this sport. Um, they come to me, they come to Barry Hawk, they come to guys that are invested in this sport and ask us, how can we do this better? How can we make it better? We want to grow it. And I think, uh, you know, in 2019, it, you know, some of the John Penton that I was at, there's maybe 16 guys total. Um, you know, last year, the Ashley, who won the national championship last year and almost won it this year, she was sometimes the only girl racing there this past year it grew i mean it went from 12 racers to 60 racers at an event it went from one girl to 10 girls at an event so it's growing at a rapid pace and uh it's bringing cyclists to a motorcycle event and and opening their eyes to what they could do with their family there and it's bringing past motorcycle racers back into the sport uh you know you got charlie mullins who's you know one of the icons and legends of the sport that you know, had to retire due to an injury, and now he's back in it on a bicycle, on an e-bike, just, you know, absolutely dominating. So it's really cool to see the different stories that, you know, people have been able to develop, the, you know, through the e-bike. So how would, like, say, if, you know, if you're talking like me and Cooper here, how do we get started? Can we just show up with an e-bike and race, or, you know, is there amateur classes for that, or how's that all work? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's as easy as showing up, um... Uh, obviously, you have to pay the entry fee, and if you don't have a transponder, you have to get that, but you can either rent one for the day or buy one, which I think is good for like two or three years. Um, show up with any any e-bike. 
uh, as long as it's what's called a Class 1 pedal assist e-bike. And that is pretty much any electric mountain bike is going to be a Class 1. Um, the other classes are, they're, they're not meant for the, the woods, right? Some of them go 35 miles an hour. They're meant for commuting on a, on a, you know, on a road, not for a mountain bike, right? So the, any e-mountain bike, it doesn't matter if it's specialized or another brand, um, you show up and there are different classes. Uh, I think for 2021, we're working on uh, expanding the amount of classes so that you have more options. Right now, you've got amateur, which is pretty much anybody, um, uh, I think, 16 and up um, until you get to 50 years of age. And then you have master's class, you have women's class, and then you have youth, which is 15 to um, 11 or 12-year-old. Uh, and then you have XC1, which is the only pro class that's available now, but I uh, there's there's the potential for them to expand that to another development pro level class, maybe an XE2, um, and maybe breaking up the amateur class a little bit so it's not quite as you know quite as broad. But yeah, anybody can show up. It's you can be as competitive as you want to be, and we we have some guys like that on our team that are are there to win, and they take it very serious, and, and we train. And then you got some guys that uh, um, are there just to you know challenge themselves and try and finish a race and. Um, you know, they're not necessarily there trying to get a top five. They just want to complete all the laps and, and cross the finish line. So um, you kind of can make it however you want to be. And it is competitive. I mean, that's what's fun about it. It's not – and it's a workout. Like, you, you, you don't – you know, a lot of people think you just push a button and it does all the work for you. <laughs> My heart rate at one of the races this past year got up to, like, 192. So, I mean, it's, uh, it is definitely a workout. <laughs> but you can make it as fun as you want to make it. How, how long are the races at Luke? Yeah, so we go for um, an hour, but we, just like the other, you know, GNCC classes on bikes and quads, you all race at the same time. So um, the it's however many laps you can get in with the amount of time the pros will race for an hour. So if, and Charlie Mullins, is, nobody's ever beaten him with it unless his bike's broken. So if Charlie does five laps in an hour, you're probably going to do four. Uh, you <laughs> might only have racing for about 45 minutes. Um, so you'll race anywhere 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. What I thought was cool, which I didn't know, I knew you could rent um, the e-mountain bikes up at the GNCC races. I I thought about doing that before to you know look at the track, but I didn't know you could rent them to actually race in the in the race that day. Which that's pretty awesome. I might have to look into that, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, I actually didn't know you could do that either. So that's Gear Bicycles. Um, John Ayers owns that company. It's the same guy that does all the Moto Tees, and he's got a really cool thing going. Um, and they're a good group of guys, and they they, they offer the app you know on track support for anybody that their bike might break or need, needs a tune-up. And I do know they have rentals, but I, I didn't realize they actually let people rent those out to race. So if, if that's the case, that, that's pretty cool. It's definitely a good way for people to try it out and get interested in sport. I, there's, I, I was listening to somebody today, and they, the quote they said was, you shouldn't ride a mountain bike, an e-mountain bike until you're in a position to buy one because once you ride one, you're going <laughs> to you're, you're gonna end up buying one. Like it's, There's no going back. There's so much fun. So I think it's cool that they have that as a rental option at the races and letting people try them. Yeah, it is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been trying to talk to my wife and uh, to let me get one. I actually get both, two of us, you know, both of us one. We started riding some mountain bikes last year, and um, she actually really enjoys it. So we, we go out there and we ride, started riding some trails and stuff. But the um, so I'm like, hey, why don't we get some of these e-bikes? And she's like, she looks at the price. Yeah. She's like, uh, <laughs> you got a dirt bike, a four-wheeler. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They that's the only downside of them, man. Is they're uh, it's it's very much in the same ballpark as 
committing to buying a motorcycle. I mean, they, and, but here's the thing. I mean, like I have regular, we call them analog bikes now, but non, non pedal assist bikes that, that, I mean, you can buy a road bike that's 12,000 bucks. You can buy a mountain bike with no motor on it. That's, that's, that's $8,000. So, I mean, it's not just the fact that they're e-bikes. You're, you're paying for the technology, you know, carbon fiber. There's a lot that go, that go into it, but that is the one downside. It's, it is expensive. Um, Thankfully, we've got a really good relationship with with Specialized and with Wamsley Cycles, and it, it helps us get into it um, at, a, at a reasonable cost because we go through them pretty quickly with how hard we are on them. But, um, man, I tell you what, if, if somebody's considering it and they make that commitment, if they finance it, whatever it is, um, it's it's worth it. It's, it's an investment in your health. You can go out. And, um, I mean, there's a guy on our team that has lost, you know, 60, 70 pounds um, and has gotten his, you know, his life back on track, um, just because investing in a, in a, in an e-mountain bike. So, um, it's an investment, man, but it's, it's definitely worth it for sure. Well, a question that I have is, um, when you look at these races and I watch the, the highlights on racer TV on YouTube <clears throat> and what I, I see a lot of these, i see a lot of the riders out there. My question is, is out of all the riders, who do you, how many do you think, are racing that are already at the races, either racing quads or dirt bikes, and how many people do you think actually come just for the uh, the mountain bike races? I know I've seen a lot of cool people like uh, Randy Richardson show up to these races and, and race, but I'm just curious as like percentage-wise, what do you think is people that are already there that weekend and people are coming out just for that race? Yeah, that's a good question, and I think the the way to grow the sport revolves directly around what you're talking about. How, how many people can we bring to this sport that came from just for e-bikes as opposed to, you know, Cannon Kanaf who's going to race, you know, Lights A on Saturday and he just wants Sunday and he wants to do something on Saturday. I think last year you were talking probably 80, 90% uh, or more were there to race on Saturday. Uh, or honestly, it's crazy as some of them are guys that race quads earlier that day uh, and, and race e-bikes this year, uh, in 2020, it, it started to go the other way, which I think is good. I think it's closer to a 50, 50 split. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Especially the, the, yeah, the Georgia rounds, we had two rounds in, uh, Aonia pass, um, due to the whole shutdown, we ended up going back there twice. And, um, those were two of the bigger races and man, there were people that came there just for e-biking. And I think that's good because it, it, it exposes them to GNCC and maybe they have a kid that would be into racing quads or dirt bikes. Um, or maybe you just have somebody that comes and races e-bikes and now you, the crowd size is growing. But I think the trick is getting more people that are there, uh, for their motorcycle or their quad to race e-bikes and then also getting more people to come and expose them to GNCC that they wouldn't have been there for any other reason if it weren't for their e-bike. Back to the um, the race thing, I kind of forgot to ask, but do you have to have your AMA card to race an e-mountain bike? You, yeah, you do, So, which is funny because I uh, before we jumped on this, I've never raced a motorcycle. I grew up riding motorcycles my entire life and my first race, I'm in a pit bike race this weekend, but for me to buy an AMA card to race my mountain bike was, was, was kind of funny, um, because I've never raced motocross or supercross or GNC, I never raced GNCC, like I would go watch, but, um, so you do, even if, even if you're not racing bikes or quads, you do have to have an AMA card because it's sanctioned by AMA and it's an event run by GNCC, uh, but it's, it's a small cost, I mean, it's, 
you know, when you race BMX, you got to have a membership to USA BMX, which is that sanctioning body. So no different. Now, when you're racing uh, at the GNCC, I know you guys start all not you know like 45 minutes to an hour after the quads are done. How much of the track is the same track that the quads and bike run, and then how much of it is like single track that's laid out just specifically for the mountain bike sections? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a, that was a huge change from 2019 to 2020. Um, it was, man, last year, uh, 2019 was rough on some of these tracks because we pretty much got the leftovers of what the what the quads left, and those they they are not easy on the trail. And our our it just some of the races it was not fun, um, and they worked really hard to hear, you know hear the riders out and charlie mullins worked with them and, and we gave myself and colin from Walmsley cycles gave them some input and, and they really did a good job of trying to give us a mix i, I don't I, I don't want a course that's just single track mountain biking it needs to have that gntc element but shouldn't be 100 percent of that so this year was completely different um i'd say maybe on, on certain tracks 20 percent uh, 20 to 40% was um, GNCC quad leftover trail, and then the, then the rest of it was they, they had a lot of really good single track section that they added in for us. Georgia was probably the best for that. They added a lot of really good single track section. Um, Beckley at the Boy Scout camp was really good. Snowshoe, we were looking forward to that because that that's you know it's, it's a mountain bike uh, um, resort. So I mean, there's always really good trails there, but they they did a really good mix of that to where you. You, uh, you have the elements left over from the quads, and you've got to deal with them just like everybody else, and whoever does it better is going to win. But then you also got the, the single track, and, and the guys that are skilled mountain bikers, their, their skill set shines there. So, um, you know, anywhere from 80-20 to close to 50-50, depending on the track. But they did a really good job of that, and uh, I think they're going to try and develop it even more for next year. That's awesome. That's really percentage-wise more than what I was uh, figuring, so that's really cool to hear, and it's yeah. cool to hear how yeah. how the mo- mountain bikes have really kind of, rather than you know being just an add-on to, to GNCC, have really kind of paved their own way in the GNCC. So so that's awesome to hear what you're saying, and, and you know, I've never really been too interested in racing one until this podcast. Now I'm, I'm Brandon, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go ride a, uh, e mountain bike and, and race in a GNCC next year. Maybe. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, I think, dude, I, I just like to race. I don't care what it is. I mean, on my bachelor party, we went to Vegas and we went to fast tracks, which is a, a go-kart indoor facility. And dude, that was the most fun I, I have ever had. Like, I just like to race. If, if, if you or anybody listening are like that to where it doesn't matter if it's a lawnmower or a dirt bike, like, you, you just like to compete. The G, the EMTB races at GNCC are a ton of fun because you'll, you'll eventually, even if you're the, one of the slower guys out there, you'll find somebody that you'll link up with on the trail and match speed with them, and then you'll battle with them for two, three laps, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And what's probably cool about that is, is, is unlike, you know, the quads that I'm on or the, or the dirt bikes Brandon's on, when you're yelling at somebody, they can hear you. So you can, <laughs> you can yell back and forth at each other and talk trash the whole race. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's cool, and, it, and you know, everybody's competitive, but they're friendly at the same time, you know, if you're passing somebody, you just kind of yell out, hey man, I'm going to pass you on the left whenever you have a chance, and uh, if it's somebody that you're racing, then, you know, it's maybe not quite as, as friendly, but uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. 
So not to change, or we'll just change subjects just a little bit. Um, you also are the host of the uh, Moto Marketing Podcast, and that has been a huge success. Um, I've listened to quite a bit of those podcasts myself. Um, can you kind of go through like your thoughts behind that podcast and what your what your goals were when you set out to do that podcast? Yeah. So. Davey Coombs has become a, a, a good friend of mine over the last several years, and uh, we're both in Morgantown, and Davey and I both like to uh, to drink a glass of wine occasionally, and when, when it's not a COVID year, we usually meet up and, and try to, you know, hang out and drink some wine, you know, once every other month or so, and, and we were uh, having dinner one night, and he was just telling me, he's like, you know what, there's, uh, and he, they use this for obviously marketing purposes, and, and so we were talking marketing, he was like, man, there's really nobody talking about business growth and marketing and sales, he's like, you ought to put some content out, and at the time, I already had a podcast, um, and it wasn't specifically uh, um, aimed toward the moto community, it was just business in general, and it was just about marketing and using you know, social media and email marketing and things like that to grow your business. And um, I said, well, why don't we do something to where I create that show but create it specifically for Moto? And and to make it even more interesting, why don't we have guests? And we asked them, you know, hey, how did, you know, Donnie Emler Jr., how did, how did you guys grow FMF to be the brand that it is today to where people were slapping your stickers over top of their Ford emblems on their F-150s even if they can't afford an FMF pipe? Like, that takes something special to get your business to that point to where people want to wear your logo. And let's, you know, hear how other people got to where they are, and then occasionally I'll do a an episode to where we just talk about driving sales online from Facebook ads or something like that. And uh, we both agreed that, you know, it would be a good show. And, you know, to make it simple, we'll just call it the Moto Marketing Podcast. And uh, it started out as just an audio show, and then we dumped a decent amount of money into uh, re-designing uh, our studio at my agency, and we turned it into a, a pretty much a designated motocross show set. And, um, man, we're coming up on 60 episodes in, and we've had a lot of really cool guests that have built some really cool things. We had Steve Mathis on and talked about how, how did he build, you know, his pulp empire. You know, we've, we've had, uh, um, you know, uh, Dennis Block, who's the chief operating officer at Seven, um, just some really cool uh, industry professionals that talk about either how they built the business or how they built their own career. Because there's a lot of people that listen that are young, aspiring professional or uh, kids or teenagers aspiring to be professionals in the motorcycle industry. So, you know, how did uh, how did Jason Wygant get to be the voice of motocross? And he talks about kind of you know building that network and, and leveraging relationships and. Um, you know, we're working on Brian Deegan's going to come on and talk about how they've built kind of, uh, you know, a celebrity type family out of video content and how amateur athletes can, can do the same thing for their career. And, um, yeah, it's, man, it's, it's evolved and morphed and, uh, it's been probably the coolest project I've ever had the privilege of working on. And now the fact that people come up to me at GNCC races and know who I am from that show is, is kind of surreal when I just... <laughs> You know, I, I don't get paid to do it. Racer X doesn't pay me. I do it because it's fun. Um, and for it to be as popular as it's gotten is pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. I was, I was going to ask you, uh, you listed some of the names of the people that you've had on that show. 
out of all those people, who do you think was kind of the most, you were the most excited about having on or, or was the, the biggest name that you think that you could get on and you never thought somebody like that you'd be able to talk to? Uh, you mentioned Steve Mathis. Um, I listened to a lot of his episodes as well. I listened to Pulp uh, and all the other, all the other uh, podcasts that he puts out. And he's kind of like the, um, I mean, he's definitely, I would say, the biggest voice in um, off-road racing um, and yeah. motocross. And it, it's pretty awesome to hear that you've, you know, interviewed him and, and Wygant and, and all those other guys. Yeah, it's, uh, man, it's, <laughs> I, I, I say it on a lot of the episodes, like each time before I get a record, I'm like, this is probably the biggest guest I've, I've uh, ever had. But it's, um, it, man, it, it, it's, it's hard to pick one person out. I would say Steve, uh, Mathis was one of the bigger ones just because I have so much respect for what that guy has built. I mean, people either like him or hate him because he, he has this, this, this character to where he's kind of an ass. <laughs> that's, his person, that's his personality. And that's why people like him. But you know, that, that aside, whether you like that or not, like what he's built from being a mechanic to, he is hand down the most, um, listened to media personality. I think Davey Coombs is probably the most influential person in, moto uh to this day there's nobody that won't pick that guy's uh phone up but man steve mathis isn't far behind him um as far as just uh, you know influence so he was a big one and it was cool to hear his story but then you know from a business nerd perspective having people on like dennis block which that's a name not a lot of people know but he's the guy that he's one of the the, the guys that runs seven um, he's one of the guys that James Stewart has trusted to run his business. And you got Donnie Ambler Jr., who is, you know, it's, it's you know, they call him Little D, but it's it's Don Ambler, the guy that started FMF. It's his son. He runs, um, you know, he's the marketing guru behind, you know, all the really cool stuff that you see from FMF. And we've had the privilege to now bring those guys on as clients um, at, at my company. So it's kind of, I don't know, man, like I... I I get starstruck by some of these people, but at the same time, like you have to keep your cool. Um, and then you realize like they're just normal people. And a lot of these guys become friends of mine. Um, there are some guests that are coming up that I think will be the first, like, I don't care how big the podcast gets. Like it'll be a pinch me moment. I, Deacon's coming on. Uh, Jeremy McGrath is actually a client of ours because we work with Arma, and that's his company. He's going to come on. And, you know, guys like that that are just icons of the sport, I don't care how big or successful a company gets. Like, it's still surreal after being a fan for as long as I have to have guys like that on. Um, but, man, all the guests are – it's it's hard to pick one. Yeah, I'm sure. Pretty, pretty incredible. I'm sure. Like, when I've – you know, look to the list that people that you've talked to and, and got to interview, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. And it's kind of, you know, like you said, pinch me moments, I'm sure. Uh, just, you know, being a guy coming from West Virginia and, and just really being able to grow your own business and, and, you know, following your dreams and being able to make it and, and being able to talk to people like that. Yeah. I mean, little things, man. Like I grew up going to, you know, any of the pro motocross nationals that I could as a kid. And, um, you know, I had Tim Cotter on, uh, who is Tim. Tim Cotter is the reason I'm in the sport. He he uh, took me under his wing when I was in high school because he's from Bridgeport. Got me into the sport, and I finally had Tim on. Tim Tim's episode was probably the the one that meant the most to me because Tim uh, holds just a special place in my career and in my life. So to have him on and to have that conversation was cool. But then, like, 
you know, after we get off the show, I take him into my office and I show him this pair of pants that I, I have from James Stewart in 2006 when he crashed at High Point. Uh, he was battling with Carmichael and wadded his bike up uh, in front of the announcer's tower, that step down before the, the right-hand turn and that uphill triple. And they they cut his pants off of him and threw him in the trash at the Kawasaki rig because he was, he was injured, so they had to cut him off. Well, I found him that day, and I think I was 16, maybe 15, 16, and I've kept them ever since. And it's like my most prized possession as far as moto memorabilia. Well, Tim comes in and sees that, and he was like, you ought to get him signed. And I'm like, ah, man, James is a client, but I just, I don't ever see a day to where I'm at, I ask him, will you sign my pants? He pulls out his phone and he calls Big James Sr., puts him on speakerphone, introduces me to him. We talked to him for probably 10 minutes, and he says, hey, Luke's got these pants. Would you mind if we send them to you and you have and you get your boy to sign them? And he goes, absolutely, send them over. So just stuff like that, <laughs> it, it still happens to where I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> this is what I do for a living. Like, I still am that big of a fan but i i'm just in a circle of people that like what just happened could happen like it just it was crazy man like i I videoed it on my phone as he was talking to big james and i'm like i sent it to my dad and i'm like this just happened and he (laughs) knowing how much it meant to me was like just blown away so that that kind of stuff that happens from the podcast is probably the coolest thing yeah that's so cool hey um this weekend you got something pretty cool going on (laughs) speaking of pinch me moments (laughs) They, uh, so we just had Rob Bytus on, um, who's one of the voices of motocross. If you've ever been to a pro motocross national, you've heard Rob. But Rob also does some pretty crazy stuff from a, a promotion standpoint. And he, he's the guy behind Moto Fight Club, which was you know a really cool event that he put on um, when there was no racing going on. It's a pay-per-view style event where he brings like iconic uh, retired racers and sometimes current pros and lets them battle against each other. And then he tries to find like new iterations of how he can set these industry figureheads uh, that aren't racers and then former racers and current racers and have them like face off against each other. And he's putting together this event on uh, Saturday, December the 5th called the monster energy master of the pit. Um, and we had him on the promoted on the show and Davey Coombs is actually racing in the event. So Davey came on the show and kind of co-hosted it with me. And, uh, you know, a couple of days later he called me and he said, Hey, I need somebody else for the industry class, which are, you know, uh, supposedly people of influence that work in the industry. Um, I don't really consider my somebody and myself to somebody of influence, but I do work in the industry and, and, uh, I have that show that a couple people listen to. So he, he was like, Hey, why don't you come race in it? And I'm moving into a new house, um, this weekend. So my wife was not stoked, but she knew <laughs> how big of an opportunity it was uh, to go up and race against, you know, people like Davy Coombs and uh, Villapoto is going to be there. I don't know. I've heard Pastrana is going to be there. I'm not sure, but um, I've never raced a motorcycle before <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> but my first race on a dirt bike is going to be, it's on a pit bike, granted, you know, and that's fine. Uh, and I, I, I can, I can ride you know, the wheels off of a pit bike. So I'm excited about that. But, um, my first race is going to be against people that are all former or current professionals. And I'm not Uh, (laughs) bikes and BMX bikes. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting, but it's on, uh, it's on a platform called fight TV. It's F I T E. So if you go to F I T E dot TV, and then you click on the moto tab, you'll see it. It's called the monster energy master of the pit. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. What time's that going to be broadcast? Uh, what time? It's going to be uh, 
this Saturday, the 5th at 7 o'clock, uh, the, the live event will go off. Um, the unique thing about it is um, they're letting, you know, everybody thinks they're the baddest dude on a pit bike. So what Rob is doing is he's letting um, he's letting amateurs show up and, and try and qualify all day long. They race. And I think he's going to take four or five. He's going to take a handful of amateurs that earn their way in and let them race against the pros um, that night. And uh, the, the caveat is you can race on your pit bike to qualify, but then when you if you qualify, you got to race on a stock TTR 110. It'll have bars and a, and a pipe. But other than that, it's completely stock. So, it, you know, it's got that added component to where some, you know, nobody from, you know, the hills of Pennsylvania could show up and, and beat, you know, Ryan Villapoto. So that'll be kind of interesting to watch as well. That's so cool. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> Yeah, that, that. And it, and it, it, it's it's twelve bucks, twelve ninety nine. So it's at a it's at a super oh, totally worth price. it. <laughs> and, you know, you, you got guys like Villapoto and Carson Brown and Will Browning, like some really fast dudes that are going to be there. And uh, yeah, it'll be cool. And then you'll have me Did, around. We'll see where I end up. You should have snuck out to the Turkey Derby over the weekend if you knew that was going to happen and uh, get some practice. I, know, I don't. Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't know if you did. You get to watch that at all or. Have, you, I, I didn't, but I, I heard about it. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Nick Nick Janusa, pro quad guy, he he puts one on, I guess, every year now, and it's it's pretty legit. Yeah, he's he's yeah. been uh, kind of self proclaiming that he has the best pit bike track around. And um, watching from the videos, I didn't, I haven't got to watch the video that yet this year. Um, I believe he did win. Nick did win the uh, the quads, but uh, that track is pretty fun looking. So yeah, if you if you would ever be able to get to sneak out there, I'm sure that would be good practice. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you, I might have to have him on the podcast and, and sweeten them, you know, a little bit and try to try to get access to his facility. I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be some pro uh, quad guys that come out and race uh, whatever the quad mini bikes are. I know Walker Fowler is going to be there and a couple other guys as well, so that'll be kind of an interesting component to it all. Oh, that'll be awesome! That'd be awesome to see. So, what what, what are you riding the one ten or what what are you riding this weekend? Yeah, so I, I actually have a TTR 110, and Rob's just going to have me bring that up, and I'll compete on that because it's stock. I have a uh, set of bars, and then I have an FMF pipe on it, but beyond that, it's stock. So I, I'm probably the only guy that's going to be riding his own bike because it's uh, it's a you know it's a brand new. I got it right when quarantine started, um, and it hasn't been ridden much, which you know kind of gives you some insight on <laughs> how how much I've been training. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that and. And that way, I've got my own bike, and if, if, it, if somebody else's you know, breaks, then he's got uh, um, he's got one of the other TTRs as a backup. So everybody will be on a 20, 2020 or twenty 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 nineteen or twenty twenty uh, TTR one ten. That sounds like a, like an opportunity you could never pass up. So I'm sure that's going to be an awesome weekend for you, and uh, we'll I'm sure Brandon and I will be watching and rooting for you and uh, enjoying you know watching you battle up there up front with all the, <laughs> with the, with the other guys. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna uh, yeah I'll, I'll know by about the, the second turn where I'm gonna end up stacking up. So we'll, I'll uh, it's it's a pit bike specific track, and I grew you know I grew up and I still race BMX. Um, so even though I, you know, I don't race motor motorcycles, uh, I ride motorcycles, but I race BMX, and I think that that might play to my uh, my strength. It's go. not going to be any giant. It's not going to look like Jeremy uh, Stenberg's backyard door. It's just giant doubles and whatnot. <laughs> so we'll see. It might 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 level the playing field a little bit. Yeah, throw them elbows, man. Throw them elbows. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I, I ride a pit bike a little bit around the farm, and. 
I, you know, I kind of think a pit bike kind of relates more to a BMX rather than an actual dirt bike. Um, anyway, so you you might have be onto something there with the uh, yeah. the BMX uh, part of it. Hey, some of these pit bike races that I've watched, um, they're not shy about uh, teeing somebody up. So, so if you got the opportunity, swing for it. I'm sure you wouldn't be able to wear more safety gear than Pastrana does, so he looks like a hockey player out there most times. <laughs> so, well, Luke, um, I think we'll we'll let you go here, buddy. I really appreciate you got you know you coming on and talking to us, and uh, maybe we'll have you on again and later on. And yeah, Luke, we we really appreciate you being on. You know, it's awesome for you to give us the time of day. I have one more question I have to ask you though. <laughs> If you had to, and this is the question that we ask all of our guests at the end of the show, never, we never let you know ahead of time so you don't have any time to think about it, but if you had to pick one fast food and one candy for the rest of your life, and that was the only thing you could eat, what would it be? (laughs) Oh, man. One fast food and one candy that I could eat the rest of my life. Um, Man. I would say probably Chick-fil-A. Because I can still get grilled chicken or fried if I want to be healthy or unhealthy. I got the right. option. Right. <laughs> and then one candy, that, that one's easy. So the Reese cups with the Reese pieces oh, yeah. yep. in the middle. That, that is, if I, I, I could just live on that the rest of my life and not even eat regular food. So. <laughs> I'm right there with you on that one, man. That's right. And Chick fil A is so far is the, is the the hottest answer. So, And I'm, I'm right there with you, too. I'd pick Chick fil A as well. So, <laughs> Hey, Luke, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Um, if people want to follow you or, you know, uh, look you up, where can they find you at on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, uh, YouTube? Yeah, Instagram, um, it's Luke Nessler, L-U-K-E-N-E-S-L-E-R. Um, that's the one I'm most active on. YouTube, if you look up Impact Media, it's I-M-P-A-K-T Media. Uh, we did a video series um, this season, and we actually still have episodes coming out documenting our e-bike uh, race teams, you know, inaugural season, and we're going to do that again next year. So that uh, reality series is on the Impact Media YouTube channel, uh, and then Facebook's my name as well, Luke Nessler. And uh, yeah, if anybody um, you know has questions or um, you know is interested in potentially being on the show, just reach out to me on Instagram. Or if you have a question you want me to answer on the show. That's a place that people reach out to me too is on Instagram for that. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Luke. We really appreciate the time, man, and uh, we look forward to having you on again sometime in the future and uh, talking about your uh, mountain bike championships maybe next year, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. we got to get you guys out to the track, too, so we'll uh, hopefully see you out there, and we'll get you on an e-bike. we got a few extras, so you guys are local, so we'll take you out on a ride. Oh, that would be awesome, man. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm down for that, and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you out the track sometime, buddy. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thank All right, you, thank buddy. you, man. So that was uh, that was Luke Nessler. I'm pretty pumped to have him on, man. That was pretty awesome to hear, you know, his uh, story and where he came from, and what he's doing in, in the uh, in the moto world. It's it's awesome to see somebody, especially somebody local, be able to make a business and make their way into the sport 
that didn't even participate in. Yeah. As far as a, a racer. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 really it's really cool to see that happen because you know a lot of people think if I can't ride a dirt bike, how am I going to be in that industry? I mean, honestly, like that would be a dream job for me because I I love the sport. I mean, I I pretty much if I'm not you know if I'm not at work, my real job that I have to put in to bring money home. <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know, dirt bikes and full wheelers and, you know, what's, you know, what's the latest update on moto and, you know, what's going on, what's happening. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, there's no way I'm going to be a pro anytime soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's just pretty cool to see, you know, how people like that can get into the, and get into and, and, uh, make it happen. And one thing that I'm really, um, very intrigued about is the, um, the e-mountain bike series and, you know, that's a, such a fast and upcoming sport in the GNCC, and it's so cool to see that sport kind of grow right in front of your eyes and, and watch it come from nothing. I mean, it came from, from people, you know, using the mountain bikes to, to, to ride the track before their race, and now and now that it is part of the race. And to hear him talk about how they have sometimes over in at least 50% of the tracks for the mountain bikes are just for the mountain bikes, and they're not having to run the full uh, quad and dirt bike track. Uh, that's pretty awesome to hear uh, because you know us quad guys. We do we we do tear up the track, so I'm sure it'd be hard on the mountain bikes for sure. So it, it's just cool to see. It's cool to see the mountain bikes have their own niche in the sport and really be able to pave their own way in making a sport within within the sport. So it's it's awesome to see uh, what the mountain bikes have done and where they've came from. And where they're going, man, I can only imagine that they're only going to grow bigger and bigger. And it's also cool to see that that it's not just the people that are already there for the weekend. It's a lot of people coming from out of town, traveling with series, just to race the mountain bikes. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, um, I, it, it's really funny we talk about this because, like, uh, me and my nephew, Jonathan, we, we went down to the local bike shop. And uh, he, he actually got to try one out. And next thing you know, he's flying by the the bike store, and you're like, yeah. And the lady's like, I, I was like, dude, he's flying on a bike, like, yeah. <laughs> like, and he came back. He's like, dude, that thing was awesome. Like, like you go so fast on a bicycle. So, it's it's pretty cool to everything's going electric. You know, um, like you know, you got the electric dirt bike class. You got the E50 dirt bike class now. Um, I think for four to six years old. Um, you know, that you Stasics. Yeah, Stasic bikes. It's it's kinda weird how the sport's kinda starting to convert over to electric. I'm I'm here for the for the mountain bike stuff though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. As far as like the I don't know if I wanna it, it'll, you know, bring a little tear to my eye if we start seeing, you know, um, if I can't smell VP gas anymore, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna be upset. You can't hear the sounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You gotta have that. That's just part of. That's just part, part of, of racing. It. Yeah, that's just part of racing. But yeah. it, it's just it's crazy. So yeah, if you ever get a chance to, I'm telling you, go out there and try an e mountain bike, and I'm guarantee you'll love it. I, I actually told my wife, I said, I almost buy one to commute back and forth to work, like. I could, because those things, like he's, like you, know, you heard Luke say, it's you can haul. 35, yeah. 40 miles an hour on a bicycle. Yeah, save gas. Yeah, save Just gas. Plug it in when you get home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, we'll talk about the Turkey Derby a little bit that happened at Nick Janus's house. Uh, see, I haven't got to see much of it yet, so we'll be able to cover more of it. And, like, if, if there was a really good battle or not. Um, I know, um, I know, I just know, I, I caught the highlights. Joel Hetrick and, and, and uh, Nick they Janus, battled out they, again? they went out, they oh, went for it. Man, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, um, I, yeah I, like I said, I haven't got a chance to see it yet. But I know, did Rip It Up Films 
Yeah. Post the, they did post their video. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So then I just, you know, I've been lazy and missed it then, I guess. <laughs> You've been in that tree stand probably, haven't you? Well, I've been in the tree stand. Also, something else happened this this weekend. I got I got the, uh, I got got the a new bike this weekend, so we'll be uh, <laughs> we'll be ready to roll for next year. I was a little worried. I wasn't sure if you were going to get if you were gonna get another one or not, you know. I was a little worried. Oh, well, you know. You got that money invested in that in, in the bike. You can't you can't go and you know build a porch with, <laughs> with that porch. money. That's a heck of a porch. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, but as back to the back to the um, uh, the turkey derby, man, does that track not look so much fun? I tell you what, I, I bet that's his like Daytona practice track or something, and then he just goes out and like rides his pit bike on it. That thing is. Like they have a camelback and everything. Like it's insane. On a step off, step ons, it's yeah. it's just pretty cool looking. So um, normally I think that that pit bike races on dirt bikes are cooler, but I think the pit pit bike quad oh, races <laughs> is the highlight of that for sure. Oh yeah. Maybe it's because it's mostly quad guys there, <laughs> and uh, they can throw those things around a little easier than most. But um, I tell you what, they had a good turnout. I saw the the footage of it, like Skycam and stuff on it. And, you know, his yard was packed full of trailers and trucks and and then they had to like i'd say there was every bit of 25 pit quads there you know just to run it so it was pretty neat it's pretty cool so, so you say you picked up the new uh quad uh yep. anything else going on or not really hunting <laughs> <laughs> i went hunting today uh we're recording this on tuesday and uh it snowed a lot and that was kind of a miserable nightmare windy and nasty so it, it's kind of been a little I, slow for me as far as you know I've been watching some old races this past week, but that's about it. What about you? Um, I should have went and rode on Sunday. I was back and forth. Dan, he was texting me Friday, and I was like, I don't know. I just don't know, you know. Um, you know, especially with Christmas and the holidays and, you know, everything going on, Christmas shopping and all that garbage. So, I didn't go. I should have. Right now, um, I'm just kind of sitting back and waiting on some parts to show up for uh, Colton's Cobra. Um, they said it'd be a couple, about a couple weeks on the, on the, um, cylinder come back so I can get that rebuilt, uh, looking to go, maybe take them up the switchback where they're having that moto fight club. And, um, uh, I know fast tracks is going to try to do their battle of the barns. They released a schedule, um, I think December 12th, the weekend of that weekend. I'd like to get him up there and, uh, do some riding then too. That's awesome, man. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and, uh, close this thing out for the day. Um, Best podcast yet so far? Yeah, I mean, I'd say. I mean, <laughs> it's at least a podium. That's right. It's, it's at least a podium. A podium. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for all the support we've been getting back from you guys. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really cool to see um, local people, local companies stepping up or, or stepping out, and uh, you know, you know, giving us a pat on the back for for all you know that we're doing. We're pretty excited about this podcast, and we can't wait to see it grow into something bigger and just keep going bigger, bigger and, you know, and see where it goes, man. So, uh, remember to, um, subscribe to our, um, or not, you don't subscribe. Gosh, <laughs> go to our Instagram page and give us a follow and, uh, see what we're doing throughout the week. Uh, we post on there from time to time and you get to up, up, update on the posts that we are on the, um, the, uh, shows that we have. So check us out there. Uh, Facebook page is coming soon. I keep saying that every week. <laughs> I promise it's coming soon, guys. But uh, until next time, uh, have a good week. And uh, if you can, get out and ride in the snow a little bit, I guess, right? <laughs> Stay safe, guys. Later, Peace. man.
Thank you.